Welcome to the Inside Scoop Live podcast, where indie authors get personal about their books, their writing, and their passions. I'm your host, Sherry Hoyt. Join me for some lively conversations with debut indie authors and seasoned veterans alike. It's a great place to find your next amazing read or even get inspired. So sit back and enjoy the show and let me know what you think. Hi, everyone. Today I'm talking with Bruce Thomas, author of Chaos Above the Sand, a powerful military drama involving a special forces unit, the SPU. And Bruce will get into all the different elements of the adventure in just a bit. But before we get started, here's the inside scoop on Bruce Thomas. Bruce was raised in Farmington, Missouri by two loving parents, enjoying a fantastic education and a well-rounded childhood. After high school, Bruce was appointed to the U.S. Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs. And after four years of strenuous physical and mental activities, he graduated in 1980 as a second lieutenant with a Bachelor of Science degree in Engineering. After graduation, Bruce set upon his real passion, flying. He attended U.S. Air Force pilot training at Vance Air Force Base in Enid, Oklahoma. And after an exhausting and rewarding year, Bruce received his silver pilot's wings. All three of his daughters were born at Vance Air Force Base during this part of his career while he was teaching other Air Force pilots how to fly jet aircraft. Over the next 20 years, Bruce flew the single-seat A-10 fighter in multiple wars and hotspots all over the world. During his military career, Bruce was stationed in six different states and six foreign countries, including Iraq and South Korea. Lieutenant Colonel Thomas retired from the 303rd Fighter Squadron at Whiteman Air Force Base in 2004. As his military career was drawing down, Bruce received an invitation to become a commercial pilot with Southwest Airlines. In 2020, he retired from his second job at Southwest after a total of 20 years of exciting flying all over the USA. He now concentrates on relaxing and writing in Overland Park, Kansas. Bruce has been married to Vivian for 12 years. His five children and nine grandchildren are all blessed with good health and beautiful families. To learn more about Bruce Thomas and his work, visit his website at brucethomasauthor.com. Well, hi, Bruce. Welcome to Inside Scoop Live. Well, thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. I am excited to talk with you about your book. Uh, First, you know, I'm always curious about what makes a person decide to sit down and write a book. And so I was wondering if you could start us off by just sharing a little bit about your journey. It was a long process. It started back in 2002 um, when I had some time on my hand. I decided, you know, I just had a story in my brain I wanted to get on paper. So I put down like four or five chapters, uh, very rough on a computer. And then I started dating my current wife. So I set that aside because I <laughs> became busier. And uh, I didn't get back to it till about 2017. Uh-huh. So for 15 years, it just sat on a, on a computer disk. And then I, um, in 2017, I, I was getting closer to the end of my flying career. And I could see the end coming. And I go, you know, I always wanted to do this. So I decided to sit down and start picking it up and spend about the next year trying to get that first book completed. Yeah, wow. So tell us about your latest novel, Chaos Above the Sand. Chaos Above the Sand is the prequel to my first book. My first book, Hope of the South, dealt with my special projects unit. My um, main group of guys are 
they're a mature unit. They've been around four or five years solving stuff. So I, I wanted to go back to the beginning to explain how this unit started, hmm. who recruited them, you know, because my premise is, is the FBI, the CIA, and the Department of Defense understand that they don't have the big overview. They're all working on their little parts of stuff. But unless some unit or some section looks at everything and doesn't take in the agency thing, you know, the Department of Defense is always worried about, you know, what war is going to start. And the FBI is worried about something else. CIA is worried about foreign stuff. So I wanted to build this unit that looks at the overall picture. And that's the second book, Cast by the Sand, brings in how this unit started. So there's probably, you know, it's a 550-page book. There's probably 100 pages that is building all of the unit. You know, how did they start? Who did they pick? All those kind of things. So you can start finding the relationships inside the unit itself. Oh, wow. So I was wondering, did, is the SPU, did you make that up? Yes, totally. Oh, yep. okay. Because I was wondering, wait, is there an... <laughs> <laughs> nope, nope. That was totally made up. Every, everything about my books, except for the historical part that I try to take you back to a specific time, like Chaos by the Sand, the historical part starts like two and a half weeks before D-Day. Okay. Stuff starts happening, and it goes through till uh, about the liberation of Paris in the World War II setting, you know, with my characters that I have, my historical characters. But, you know, it deals with uh erwin rommel you know the stuff that was happened with him around d-day and most of that stuff is real life you know real history so i tried to tie in when somebody's reading it and they start talking about d-day it's it's stuff that really happened so yeah 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 i was just wondering about the unit because um i mean it, it made sense what you were saying there should be one organization kind of that has the big picture and so i was trying to to think now, which organization would that yep. be? And, and the funny <laughs> thing is, is in, and the only thing that's even close is what we have call now our uh, Department of Homeland Security, because okay. that you know was built back in two thousand three, two thousand four, to sure. be kind of the over overarch of all those sections I'm t- telling you about. But yeah. to have a small little unit looking at this stuff. I don't think that exists. So. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad I asked that question. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, so Chaos Above the Sand is actually the prequel to your first novel. You kind of wanted to, to yes. give some background information. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's a bigger story. My first book, because I was learning how to write, I didn't understand a lot of the stuff going on as far as how the producing the book and publishing the book and all that stuff was going to work in my publisher told me I needed to keep it a certain length since it was the first book. Hmm. I told my next publisher, the person on my chaos about the sand, I said, uh, I'm going to make the book I want, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, and not put the constraints that you guys put on me with, on the first book. So it, it's a bigger book. It's uh, more stuff going on, more characters. It's just a bigger book. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you had a little more experience behind your belt. It yeah. did go together a lot quicker. It took about six months to write the second book, oh, even wow. though it's, uh, you know, about 30% bigger. Yeah, it sounds like you just kind of got into a groove and it just kind of flowed for you. 
And I took more time. I was retired at the time. I was writing it. The first book, I was still flying for Southwest Airlines, so I was gone a lot doing that. You know, my real job, as my wife says. <laughs> but then the second book, I was actually retired, so I could actually sit down and spend six hours or eight hours a day working on it, which was great because <laughs> that's what I needed. I needed to know that I had the time to get involved in the writing process and not have to get up and leave. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of a grinder. I mean, I, I, I can't do two hours a day. If I'm going to work on it, it's going to be six or eight, you know, so <laughs> and that's just me. Right, right. Oh, I get that. <laughs> now, you mentioned the characters. I think the characters were one of the favorite parts that our reviewer mentioned, uh, The especially the dynamics between Wild Bill and Vector. Can you tell us a little bit about those two and kind of what motivates their relationship? Sure. My main two characters that are in both my books is um, William Wild Bill Eddy. He's a pilot, and they're both in the military, so you always get nicknames in the military, and that's where the Wild Bill came from. Okay. And his friend, Mark Vector Jones, uh, they met each other at the United States Air Force Academy. And they spent uh, four years there together, and then they stayed close the whole time they were out in the military, even though they had different career fields. Mark Jones is basically the brainiac of the two. He's the real smart guy. He's the guy that has a doctorate now in the Air Force, and he designs things, builds things, computer-type stuff. Hmm. And while Bill is a fighter pilot, I mean, that's what he's been doing. He's been flying airplanes. That's what he went to the Air Force Academy to learn to do. So together, they're really opposite people. Mm-hmm. You know, you can see they, one, one's a brainiac, the other guy's a pilot and everything but together they're just best friends so they basically get along by ribbing each other by you know cutting each other down doing all the things that friends do to each other but i try to bring that in the book where that is always a part of what's going on in their dialogue with their how they deal with each other just no matter what their situation they're in yeah and I think it worked pretty good. I think uh, most people have given me positive feedback on the way they interact and everything. So, mm-hmm. yeah, good. Yeah, I mean, obviously you have to have a plot to drive the story, but I like to connect to the people and and learn about them. And you know, when I'm reading anyway, they kind of become real to me. Yeah. And that's one of the big reasons why I want to do the prequel because in the first book I didn't have the time to develop where these guys came from. Mm. How 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 did this start? You know, and I figured long term, if I continue this series, I need to have that building block of where these guys came from. How how did they get together? Why are they such best friends? You know, and all this stuff. So that's what drove the prequel side of me wanting to get into this. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Now, one of those characters sounds familiar to me. How did you create your characters? Are they based on real people that you've known over the course of your life? For sure. You know, I flew fighters in the Air Force for almost 24 years Mm -hmm. and went to the Air Force Academy. (laughs) So I figured, you know, if I'm going to start writing about stuff that um, and I don't know how to write and don't know how this process works, I better write about stuff. At least I know. Yeah. Um, So that started why I like those characters, because I could relate to them. I could understand what they're going through, um, that kind of stuff. Sure. So who was your favorite character to create or write about? It's, it's my main character, Wild Bill Eddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to tie him in historically. He has a father that is actually his grandfather 
flew in the Air Force, so I talk about that back in World War II, and he um, he flew fighters there, and then his dad flew cargo airplanes, you know, so I, I basically, they're a military family. They come through everything. Mm-hmm. Mark Vector Jones is kind of the opposite. I talk about it in the first book, not a lot in the second book, but in the first book, how he's part of the dreamers. His mom and dad actually came from Latin America, crossed the border legally, and got in the United States and made a life for themselves. Oh, wow. And Mark is the offspring of that. He didn't cross the border as a kid coming across with an illegal family or anything like that. But that's where his ties are. His mm-hmm. ties are to people in Latin America and um, El Salvador is where I bring him out of just to have a whole different side of. So you got this one side, you got Wild Bill, who's, you know, a military family, been in the U.S. forever, traces all the way back to the Civil War time. Yeah. And you got Mark Vector Jones, who's basically a first generation American, you know, so I wanted to bring that contrast in there. So, yeah, it's a nice contrast. So what kind of research was involved in preparation for writing Chaos Above the Sand? Well, um, I have a couple uh, good friends. One of them was a pilot for Southwest Airlines also, who is just a wealth of knowledge about the Civil War. He loves Gettysburg. He loves all the stuff. So he is somebody I can call at any time, say, hey, what about this, this, and this? And he kind of can give me the real data on it. So that's good. I did a couple trips. I went to Gettysburg, went to a couple places around just to get the flavor of what it was like back then mm-hmm. um, for my current book for the chaos above the sand the wife and i took a um, trip to france and we spent four days in normandy um, with a private guide just seeing all the stuff connected to d-day oh wow um, so i actually took probably took two thousand pictures of things and <laughs> asking questions he the guy didn't have any idea cause i didn't tell him i'm writing a book i was just asking pointed questions about different things and i'm in my brain i'm trying to figure out okay how can i mold this into my story and everything else and that was a lot of fun yeah you actually got to you know live what those guys went through and the area and all that stuff so that's how i did that now i do a lot of research on the computer too you know i'll be writing along and i'll go got to make sure I'm right here and then go look it up and see if I can get cross references that um, I'm, I'm correct on the dates or correct on how it happened. So I love that you actually got to visit and see the scenery because you can research on the computer for sure, but seeing it and then going back and kind of describing it, I, I bet it made a big difference in your writing. Oh, yeah, no doubt. You know, because I have one section in Chaos Above the Sand where I'm talking about the, uh, not my main characters, but a couple characters, how they look out through a pillbox and they see the ships coming over the horizon. And, you know, and, and it's not a few ships, it's, you know, hundreds because the D-Day's starting. Well, as part of my book, I wanted to explain that from the point of view of a poor private, you know, a German private in this pillbox, and his job is to stop whoever lands, and he's looking out there going, oh, my gosh, what's coming, oh my gosh. you know? So it was simple for me to recreate that because I was sitting in that pillbox. I, I was standing in it looking out at the ocean, right. Normandy, going, okay, this is what it looks like, you know? So I think... If you're going to do historical stuff, you almost have to go there if you can, 
you know, whatever, whatever you pick. Now, sometimes, you know, you can't recreate what, you know, like I, I think my next book, I'm toying with the idea of using the Revolutionary War, mm-hmm. you know, much harder to recreate it. Right. <laughs> so how, how do you recreate 250 years ago or, or 300 years ago if, if I ever get around to it? So, but that's what I try to do is I try to go see it and then try to write about what I'm seeing. And I find that's easier than me making it up. Yeah. Um, I'm, getting, I'm getting better at making it up, but it's, <laughs> um, that, that's a lot easier. You've had experience. Um, so your whole military career, you were flying in different wars. So I, I imagine that part was easy to write. And, and that does make a big difference, you know, because each one of my books, I have different flying scenes that I write about, um, try to tell and try to explain to people what's going on in the cockpit as all these things are happening around you and everything yeah that was definitely first person driven you know by all that but but at the same time i find that can be to my detriment also because i wrote one for chaos above the sand matter of fact i wrote one uh, big battle scene you know between iran and the u.s Mm -hmm. and when I finished it, it was like 70 pages long. Oh, my goodness. And I go, just probably too much. So I sent it to a couple of my friends who flew, too, and they and they read it. They go, hey, that's pretty, that's very detailed. And then I sent it to a couple people that don't fly, and they said, I'm lost, you know, because <laughs> it was too much. Right. Their eyes are glossing over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, because what I'm seeing from a pilot point of view of it makes total sense what you would see next to a person who hasn't done that. It's you can't ingrain that in them by just writing about it. Right. So I've had to pare down that whole battle scene. I think it ended up being like 20 pages in the final oh, uh, wow. to try to make it where it um it fit a lay person's view of how the battle but put enough data in there that hopefully they when a person's reading it they feel like they're in the airplane you know that that was my intent so right now you mentioned a little bit about maybe writing another book so did you set out to write a series when you started writing no, I started to write one book. And so I wrote the first book and I go, well, I'll wait and see how many books I sell. And if I ever want to write another one, what am I going to write about? And then as I was trying to market the first book, I got told by a lot of people that said, hey, you know, if you're, if you're going to write a second book, it's better to get that book out because that'll help sell the first book too. And I go, okay, I'll do it. So then I, <laughs> so I pressed on with the series part. And it was easier in the second one because some of my characters were, you know, they're more mature and I understand them more in my brain. So that was a lot easier to write. Will I go to a third book? I would like to, but it's more of a how much time do I want to take? And it's the whole publishing process. Mm -hmm. Um, I find it's fraught with negatives, (laughs) you know, Mm. Um, and that's terrible because the writing, as you know, and people who have written the writing is probably the easiest part of it yeah you know it's all the stuff that happens after all the editing all the getting it out trying to self-market you know all the things that that i really never wanted to do you know right. um right. i mean that's not the stuff i want wanted to do. I, I i always in my brain said well i'll find somebody else to do this stuff 
you know, I'll just do the book and let somebody else do the marketing. And I go, that's not the way it works, you know? Yeah, it's not the way it works anymore. It's, I mean, no. it's a full-time job and it's, it's a job with many hats, actually. So I think it's a couple of full-time that's, jobs. That's a good way to explain it. Uh, it really is. Because uh, it's every time you think you have a handle on what to do next, it changes a little bit. Mm-hmm. So is there anything you wish you had known when you first started out? Ooh, wow, a lot. Um, <laughs> I'll try to keep it simple. After my first book, all the uh, problems with getting the editing done and everything else, and, and me just running into reviewers that reviewed the book and said, well, you got this problem or this problem or, or we don't like how this sounds. I went back and updated that book. Well, how I updated was I took a college class in writing. Mm. I, I went and took a fiction class, and it was probably the best four months of the whole process. Oh, wow. Because it woke me up to what people are looking for from reading a book versus what I thought I was producing. And I realized, okay, I got to think on their side of it, not my side of it. Right. And it made the second book come together so much easier because my dialogue made more sense. Just the structure of the book, you know, how where you wanted to go with it and everything. Um, I had a really good guy. I took that college class. It was all online. Uh-huh. But lots of uh, different things that we went through and produced weekly and stuff. And he would review them and say, well, try this and try that. And it, it really did help. So I wish... I would have known about that at the beginning. That's one of the things. Mm-hmm. The second thing, and this was, uh, it, it really hurt me in my first book, is the title of your book is important. Yeah. You know, I was thinking I was going to have the Hope of series, you know, the Hope of the South, the Hope of Rommel, the Hope of um, Washington. You know, in other words, I'm, in my brain, I'm thinking that, I'm going to use the historical side to, to key into, hey, this is about the Civil War. This is about World War II. This one, did. well, I find out later, I started getting all these things on social media saying, why are you writing a pro-slavery book? You know? Oh, no. Because it hit right in the middle of the BLM movement. So I got trapped because my book was titled Hope of the South. They're thinking, He's saying that, you know, that slavery is good because they have that's their hope. And I'm going, oh, oh there's no. nothing in there's nothing in my book about that. So I told myself, OK, don't make this mistake again on the second book. Make yeah. sure you title it something that can't, you know, be used different ways. So that was uh, and I'm still fighting that with the first book, the, the title of it. I, I've tried to retitle it and everything else. And basically they told me you can't do that. The only way you can do that is start a whole new book, you know? And I go, okay, great. Thanks. Oh, wow. That's horrible. <laughs> it is. That's I mean, a hard lesson. But it's, yeah. It, it was. And it's just something I didn't know at the time, you know, because of, um, I should have, you know, I guess called a TV station and did a focus group or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what about your second book? What are, are you getting the kind of feedback you anticipated? What are people saying about chaos above the sand? Um, all the feedback I'm getting from people is very positive. The people that have read it and my friends all liked it. All my people outside of my friends that read it, I get positive um, reviews on it and replies about it. 
It's just the sales are just slow. And that's, you know, I'm fighting that uphill marketing battle of getting the name and the book title out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I'm, it's been very positive. The people like your guys review and everything, it's been, they've been positive. So I'm just wondering when I'll get that little something from something that pushes the marketing up, you know, somebody mentions, yeah, somebody mentioned it, somebody show the book someplace it's, you know, and I don't know if I have to pay for that uh, to get that book out there like that, or if it's something that's, I just got to wait it out. I don't know. I mean, yeah, that's kind of a loaded question, I think. (laughs) Exactly. It is. Oh, goodness. So what do you like to read and which authors have inspired your own writing? Um, the biggest one that I've read, every book he put out was Clive Cussler. Mm-hmm. Um, even him and his ghostwriters, all the different little series is there toward the end before he died. They were putting out. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like all of those. Brad Thor, I like his books because they're kind of along the line of what I'm doing. Um, also, the other guy... Um, Jeez, Clancy. Tom oh, Clancy. Yeah. Yeah, read Tom all Clancy. his books too. So those are the biggest ones. When you pass about those three or four people, I go to nonfiction books. You know, I'll read about history stuff. I'm reading one now about the Civil War. Not really author driven, is more subject driven. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and I like to read about historical things. Yeah, it's very interesting, and and I love reading different authors takes on the same time period you know Mm -hmm. now do you have like a a signature characteristic or feature you incorporate into all of your books one of the things i really like to do in my book is have multiple stories going at once you know i have a historical story going along with a present day story Mm. uh present day story typically because I'm a military kind of guy, deals with some terrorist or some a spy or you know, something happening inside the military industrial complex that's going to cause us trouble as a country. And then I weave into it how the historical something happens that they start understanding that they need to start looking at historically at this event or this item or this something you know, my first book has a roll-top desk, believe it or not, that's mm. been handed down the family for 200 years or 150 years, and it ends up having a secret compartment in it that leads to a Civil War treasure. So oh, it wow. was just by chance that the one of my main characters figures out about the secret compartment. It's just by chance, but that builds a whole third of the book you know of finding that treasure and everything the second book chaos above the stand is all about rommel trying to steal enough gold and silver from hitler to get his family and his friends out of germany to south america before the war ends Mm -hmm. that's my premise well that gold and silver gets lost hidden and lost when d-day happens so that's the kind of stuff I like to weave in my stories so that I hope, I'm hoping, hoping, hoping that when a person, gal or guy, are reading the books, they can't wait till the next page they turn to see where it's headed, you know, because right. I got lots of changes going through the book. And that's my hope. 
because yeah. when I was writing it, that's the way I felt. <laughs> you know, I felt <laughs> like I go, I go, oh, good, I'm going to take them this direction, you know, and it, it was fun to write that. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun. Now, are you considering writing another book? You mentioned something a little earlier about the Revolutionary War. That wouldn't be part of your current series, would it? Yeah, it would, yeah. It would be. Oh, okay. Because uh, the historical part does not care where it, it's from. It'll be my main characters are taking care of something in the present day, but something triggers them to start looking into something that happened back at a different time. Oh, um, okay. So that's, that's the way I always do it. Right now, that's what I'm toying with. I have not started it yet. Mm-hmm. I took about a six-month break just because of all the marketing problems and snafus and everything else. I finally said, you know, I need to just take a step back here. And I'm retired, and I can do those kind of things. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I told myself, I go, okay, with all the COVID going on and nobody wants to talk to you, and I can't, there's no bookstore even open that I can go try to get into. I said, I'm just going to take a break for a while. So I did, and I'm, and it recharged me a little bit. So yeah. now I'm ready to start beating the pavement again and trying to get the book out there. So Okay, good, good. Yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to add today? Well, thank you for doing this interview. And let me talk about the book. I know I've jumped around about both books because they're both in the same series. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, I thank you so much, Bruce, for joining us today and sharing a little bit about you and your work. Thank you, Sherry. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for joining me today for my interview with Bruce Thomas, author of Chaos Above the Sand. To learn more about Bruce and his work, visit his website at brucethomasauthor.com. And be sure to check out our other interviews at InsideScoopLive.com.